So being counted is important to me because being authentic changed everything. I became the person I was at work because I was leaving part of me behind. Welcome back to the Women on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Sam Saperstein. Today, I'm speaking with Brad Bamel, the newly appointed global head of LGBT plus affairs at JPMorgan Chase. Brad has worked at the firm for nearly 30 years and has been a tireless advocate for the LGBT plus community throughout his career. I hope you enjoy our conversation about his new mission and where he sees additional opportunities. Brad, welcome to the Women on the Move podcast. It is so nice to see you here and thank you for speaking with us. So nice to be here today. Thank you so much for having me, Sam. So you are now the global head of the LGBT plus affairs organization at JPMorgan Chase. This is a brand new position at our bank. So tell us about this role. So it's by far the most exciting role of my career. And for those of you that might know me, I've likely said that for every new role I've taken over the years, but I really mean it this time. We started the Pride BRG back in 1998, and we began offering domestic partner benefits in 1999. I was an early adopter. I'd been with my husband three years at that point. We've scored our first perfect score on the Human Rights Campaign Corporate Equality Index, which measures LGBT plus equality in the workplace back in 2002. That was the first year of the index. We've scored a perfect score every year since. We've made so much progress in those 20 plus years, but it's all been through grassroots efforts like mine, because my day job was always seven days a week, 10 hours a day. So it was in our spare time that we did all of those extra things. So now it's my full-time job. So our mission is to be best in class as the financial institution for LGBT+, for our employees, our customers, our business partners, and our communities. Our vision is to do so by leveraging this amazing framework that we've built over the past two decades. There's a lot of really good work. If you think about when you build a house, it's got to be on a solid foundation. We have that. We have decades of that. So we'll leverage all of the work that's been done to date, and we'll do it in a truly intersectional way, partnering, as we've done, Sam, in the first two months since I've been in the job, in a much more meaningful and intentional way across the communities to amplify our ability to make an impact. We will, in my community, focus on the same four D, E, and I pillars as all of us that are both internal for our employees and external for our customers in our communities, and we'll lay out our strategy against that. And Brad, you're referring to these four common strategic areas that all of our diversity and inclusion segments are now focused on, which are one, business growth and entrepreneurship, two, jobs and skills, three, financial health and wealth creation, and four, community development, meaning all of us, women on the move, the LGBT plus affairs, all the other segment areas that we have, we all focus on these similar areas, of course, with different programming underneath and different things to reflect our community needs, but we all have that same common structure and thematic areas. So why do you think the bank decided to create this team now? Because as you mentioned, we've been doing this for 20 years And so what was the impetus to really have a full-time dedicated team against it? So our boss, our manager, Brian Lamb, who is our global head of diversity, equity, and inclusion, I think he recognized it from day one, that we need to serve all communities, that 
we're looking to create equity and inclusion for everyone, not for them or these people. And shortly after Brian joined the firm, the LGBT plus executive forum, myself included, started sitting down with Brian and talking to him about our journey and our agenda. We told him that having something that was focused on equity and inclusion for our community would be a game changer. We would elevate from being a band of volunteers who spend spare time working on trying to do the right thing to being a more organized organization with dedicated energy to make an even bigger impact. So tell us about some of your short-term and long-term goals. Thinking about it from like a now, near, and far mentality. In the now, I'm working to build out our global unified multi-year strategy aligned on priorities across the various forums that run parts of this agenda with clear ownership, roles and responsibilities, and transparency. In the near terms, we're going to begin to deliver against the strategy. So we're going to focus extensively internally. So I will be focused extensively with the executive forum and the pride business resource group on the careers and skills pillar, which is really about advancing things for our employees. I'll be spending some additional time in the community development pillar. But a lot of our agenda in the near term will be in those areas of focus. So internally, I'll be making sure that LGBT is part of our accountability framework so that our metrics matter. So that when we're thinking about recruiting or promoting or retaining, we're talking about LGBT plus just like we talk about other communities to begin to work on talent development. And are we ensuring that LGBT plus talent are being put through the right talent development programs to get the right next mobility opportunities and the right promotion opportunities. And when we're losing LGBT plus talent, we're understanding why. What I wanna make sure is we've just granted $5 million to five strategic nonprofit partners. What I wanna make sure is it doesn't stop at the grants. It's not just about delivering the key milestones within the grants. It's about maximizing the relationships with each of these nonprofit partners so that we're giving to them and they're giving to us and we're growing together. Longer term, it's really about the mission statement, which is becoming best in class. But then we really need to take it outside to ensure we've got the right brand recognition. We're attracting more customers to the firm. We're further developing within our communities, firing on all cylinders to become best in class. You know, Women on the Move has featured LGBT plus women for a long time in our programming and our content. What do you think some of the opportunities are to engage that community of women in a deeper way? I think we've come so far. Um, well, you've certainly taken the agenda with women so far. I remember back to when I started leading Pride. So let's say 20-ish years ago, there weren't women. I mean, there were, but they weren't in the agenda. And now when I look around our leadership team, it's like close to half women. And I couldn't be happier because that's how it should be. I think we just need to be intentional about it. So some of the things we've been doing in Pride, in another group that I helped create outside of JP Morgan called Open Finance, is we've been having women committees. So not just women integrated to the core leadership teams and women involved in every other committee, but core committees that are focused on the agenda for women and making sure we're covering everything we need to cover 
and then taking things out of that committee and putting them in all of the other existing committees to cover our gaps. So I think we need to do more of that and provide opportunities for women to be engaged and leading the agenda. You know, I've seen recent research that shows that only 1.6% of managers and senior level employees are LGBT plus women. What do you think we need to do to increase hiring of women from the community, but make sure they get to senior level roles? I think we need focused effort on each of the letters of our alphabet, probably not the G, because in many cases, the G are privileged already because they're white males, just because they have a G next to their name, like I'm one of them, right? So especially with lesbians and transgender within our alphabet, I don't think we've focused enough on talent development, mentoring, what are the things that these individuals within our community need to truly thrive and to be given the opportunities. And so I think as part of my full life cycle talent management stream, I will be focused both generically across the entire community and then individually on sections of the community that are underrepresented. Do you know there are no, at J.P. Morgan Chase, 260,000 employees, transgender employees who are above a VP title? Do you think that community in particular has even more challenges that we have to address that we really haven't already? Definitely. I think on the inside, it's awareness and education. And during Pride Month itself, you'll see us spinning out some stories, some training, or some videos uh, where we're going to try and introduce more of our population to the transgender community and to their journey and to their struggles. So we have a lot of work to do to create better awareness and education internally. And we need to continue to support the community externally so that their rights aren't diminished. Thank you for that. I think that's really helpful to understand. And I know you've done a lot to really help all employees with the identification of themselves as they go out there in the directory or on Zoom now, you know, with the pronouns that they use. Tell us why you feel it's so important for our company and other companies to make sure people feel they can freely express themselves, but why it's important for allies to also join this together. So pronouns for me are a way to demonstrate your inclusion because it is so easy to misgender someone simply by reading their name and not understanding if it's male or female. Or, you know, if they don't have their picture posted in their phone book profile, you don't know. And it changes the whole dynamic of a conversation when you know going into a conversation that this colleague refers to themselves with these pronouns because it changes the whole dimension of the conversation. And don't get me wrong, we all misgender people. I have myself. I've done it recently, but it's from a point of lack of knowledge. And the more knowledge we have, the easier it is to work together. I was the wallflower. I was the kid in the corner with all the great ideas but who rarely said a thing publicly. And that was because I spent so much time processing everything I wanted to say to ensure I didn't slip and share something I shouldn't. And that was horrible. So, you know, six years in, um, three years into my relationship with my husband, we just had set up the Pride BRG. We just launched domestic partner benefits. I'm like, now's the time. And it changed everything. Wow. 
So being counted is important to me because being authentic changed everything. I became the person I was at work because I was leaving part of me behind. That is such a powerful story. And I'm sorry you had to go a few years without being able to do that. But once you did acknowledge your full self, what was that like for you? I mean, how much more enjoyable was work for you? How much more could you immerse yourself in every opportunity? You know, what was that new experience like? It changed everything. It freed me. Um, No more filtering. And when I tell people I was the wallflower, anybody that knows me today, they laugh. Nobody believes me because I'm not. (laughs) Um, But it really did change everything. It changed my whole approach to work, relationships at work, interactions I was having with people, my ability to be creative, to not be afraid, to take risk. And I really think I began to thrive and excel after I was comfortable bringing my whole self every day to this job, just like I was outside of this job. Did anything surprise you about your colleagues' reactions at the time? No, I think I needed this all along. I spent too much time making up stories to fit in, being generic with my pronouns and not using anybody's names and making up stories. And it was exhausting. Everyone was respectful. Everyone accepted me. It helped me connect with people on different levels than ever before. Mm, I'm so glad to hear that. And, you know, I hope other people who are listening to can take that away, that they hopefully also have very welcoming environments and at some point feel comfortable disclosing everything about themselves and, and being authentic at work too. You mentioned a really important point that not all countries around the world you can be who you want to be, that being gay and lesbian, transgender is illegal in so many countries and in countries in which we do business. How does that present itself in terms of the challenges that you have to face to just even help our own employees be who they are you know, across the world? It's challenging. Um, and that's why our strategy is global, because it's not the same everywhere. Today, You can only self-ID for sexual orientation in 21 countries. Now, fortunately, those 21 countries represent about 98% of our employee population, which is awesome. But there are a ton of countries where we have employees where you can't self-ID. And in many of those countries, there are still laws against homosexuality or against protection of LGBT people in the workplace. In some countries, there's still punishment, death in some countries still. And so our approach is different in each geography, in each country. Certainly benefits is one that's near and dear to me because I want us to have the best in class benefits for the LGBT plus population. But that's something that is also country by country because of different rules and regulations around that. So I would love to talk to you about the month of June, which is Pride Month, which I will tell you is one of my favorites. I think I just love how the community comes together and celebrates everybody in their full glory. I mean, to me, it's really special. Tell us what the firm is doing this year to celebrate Pride Month. So it's also one of my favorite months. The theme we picked for this year's Pride Month is leveraging our intersectionality and inclusion to amplify our collective voices. So very resonant with everything we've talked about so far. We are focused on sharing our history. So what often happens as our communities mature and as we get more rights and as we get more privilege 
is people forget where we've come from and who helped us lead the way to get where we are. So we're spending a bit of time during LGBT plus Pride Month reminding people about our history and how we got to where we are today. We're focused a lot on allyship and intersectionality. We're trying to make a big splash in New York City. And so for anybody who's listening to the podcast who's in New York City for Pride Month, starting on June 14th, you should come down to the West Village and visit our Stonewall branch, which is on Sheridan Square. It will be special. We're going to be sponsoring an event called Savor Pride on June 16th, which has a famous top chef who identifies as lesbian. And we've added the brown and black stripes to all of our kind of key campaign marketing. So if you look at our Times Square branch with the big wraparound banner, you'll see our new flag there with our logo for the year, which is We Stand Proud. Globally, there is so much happening. And then Stacy Friedman and I, who is the executive sponsor for our community, are going to do a fireside chat at the end of the month to talk a little bit more about the strategy and where we go from here. I love it. That is so rich and robust. I'd love to know personally how you celebrate and if you can recall what your first experience was celebrating Pride Month. The parade was always a massive part of my Pride Month. New York City Parade. The New York City Parade. And I used to live in an apartment on the parade route. So it was both like I would march with Chase in the parade. And then I'd bring everybody that was around over to my apartment afterwards for drinks. But we celebrate Pride Month by being proud, by being present by enjoying um, as much as we can, taking part in the events. While it is a huge month for us, it is not about the month. And we've grown a lot since Pride Month was the thing. So in the LGBT plus community, we started by having two anchor events a year. It was Pride Month and National Coming Out Day, which is later in the year in October. And I think what people should have seen over the last several months is we started celebrating Transgender Day of Visibility and Bi Visibility and Lesbian Day of Visibility. So we've started to honor and celebrate the various segments of our community who are all in a different place. Just because we're one community doesn't mean we're all in the same place. Thank you for that. I think that's a really important reminder. And we might all bring kind of different experiences and and do things differently in the next month. But as you're right, it happens all year long. And we really stand with all the individual communities. So we'd love to talk about your career journey. It has been a long one at JPMorgan Chase. You've been with the bank since 1993, and you've had many different roles. So I would love to just start out by asking, you know, what were your original career aspirations? And are you where you thought you would be 30 years later? Let's start with career aspirations. So um, when I went to college a million years ago, I went to business school at the State University of New York in Albany, and I double majored in finance and systems because I loved both of them so much. And I wound up going to a big six consulting firm at the time to do both and loved it um, until I didn't anymore. And I didn't anymore because I had spent a year at one of our competitors as a consultant and I loved it. Like it was really good to feel like I was part of something different in a financial institution that is good. And so that was the year I decided to make a big change. 
And JP Morgan just happened to be right next door. And I spent every waking hour finding the right role here at JP Morgan to, to get. And so my goal coming here was really to grow my career in an institution similar to the one I had been in, but meaningful, like build a home and a career in this firm. And I, I really did that. So what that was going to be, I wasn't sure at the time. I've often like been asked to step in and fix problems or create structure. And that's been amazing. If you had asked me 28 years ago, would I be head of LGBT affairs for the firm? I never would have said yes. It was always just a passion. It was always just the, I have a free hour now. Let me invest it in this agenda because it's so important. It makes me feel so good. I never thought I'd have an opportunity to focus all of my energy. And I have a lot of energy on just this. So probably not. If you had asked me 28 years ago, would I be in this seat today? I can totally agree with that. I don't think I ever would have seen myself doing a role like this because frankly, they didn't even exist back then when we were starting our careers, but it is super exciting now. And I guess as a follow-up to that, you know, have how have you seen attitudes change in the workplace since you've been here toward the LGBT plus community? And what do you think your colleagues should still know about the community that they might not? I've been very privileged because attitudes around me have always been very positive and supportive and engaging. Like, how can I help? What is it that you need from me, an ally of the community, a friend, a colleague? Um, But I know it's not exactly the same globally in all of our locations. And not that, I mean, we're protected, right? So the code of conduct says very clearly, no discrimination, no harassment, and that includes sexual orientation, gender identity. But that doesn't mean that it's safe. So there were years, many years ago, where telling jokes about a community on like a trading desk were not uncommon. Those don't happen anymore, but I still don't think it's as open and safe as it could be in some of those areas. And then there's countries because of religious regions or cultural reasons that it's still not safe. So I still think the one thing everybody should know and can do is the agenda to create equity for the LGBT plus community is massive. And I need everyone, literally everyone. So lean in and figure out a way to become engaged, to learn more about us and to learn where you can help. I can fully agree with that. I think no matter where we are, we can play a role and certainly from within the community and absolutely as an ally too. So Brad, I just want to thank you so much for being with us. It's so, it's such a pleasure to speak with you, but it's even better to work with you on a regular basis. And I'm so happy you're in your new role and we'll get to do a lot more together in the years and months to come. Thank you so much, Sam. Again, talking about privilege, I feel privileged to be in the company of the leadership team that Brian Lamb has put together and to be afforded this opportunity to work with all of you and to benefit from all of the work you've done and all of the engagement you have available to us. It's amazing and I couldn't be happier. So thank you. Thanks for joining my conversation with Brad Bumel, the global head of LGBT plus affairs at JPMorgan Chase. I loved hearing about the work he's already done and his suggestions for how we can all better support our LGBT plus colleagues and friends. The mission of Women on the Move is to help women in their professional and personal lives. 
Our goal is to introduce you to people with great ideas, inspiring stories, and a passion to make a difference. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe so you won't miss any others. For J.P. Morgan Chase's Women on the Move, I'm Sam Saperstein. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank N.A. is a member of the FDIC.